From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg. Grab a stool and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Coming up in uh, minutes, a top cryptocurrency expert who will explain what is the right digital coin to buy, how to trade, where to sell, when to sell, and can cryptocurrencies end the monopoly on the Federal Reserve Banks and perhaps restore power to the people? Is Bitcoin a game changer or a sophisticated scam? Hour two, the CEO of a, a company that can erase cellular damage stimulate tissue regeneration and treat a range of diseases. Basically, advances in molecular biology have found the reset button on the human body. Uh, before all that, let me introduce the boys in the band on the Gibson Flying V guitar, Ian Robertson, my fine rockabilly friend on the other side of the glass, twisting the knobs and dials. In here in studio with me on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin, the mysterious and idiosyncratic Albert Vinzel, my hard-working story producer, and on the Hammond B3, feature producer, live YouTube stream producer, Ryan White. Gentlemen, welcome all and thank you for all you do. Uh, speaking of YouTube, we do stream this radio transmission, <coughs> excuse me, uh, live with pictures uh, most every week. Check out the YouTube channel, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett, and please hit the red sub button. We're trying to get to 10,000 subs. We're just a few hundred shy, I think, of 700 or 7,000 subscribers. So let's see if we can get there by this time next week. If you haven't already done so, again, please hit the red sub button. Don't forget the uh, the new podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited. New episodes dropping every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's keeping me busy, but I love it, and I hope you're enjoying it as well. You can subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or go to the uh, website, conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. All right. So, I uh when it comes to uh, technology, I would I would be in the category of late adopter, late adapter, very late. Uh I'm still trying to get my Rubik's cube out of the box. <laughs> it shows you uh never mind. Anyway, uh so this whole cryptocurrency craze that I guess has really started about um what would you say, Ryan, 2010, 2009 with Bitcoin? Well, it's probably when it started, but really a craze only the past couple of years now. Right, right. And when it started, Bitcoin was like less than a dollar, right? That's correct, yeah. And and uh, now it's around uh, 11,400 in that range. It was up to, what was it, 19,000? It, it almost Last hit 20,000 a couple weeks ago. And then it tumbled. And it crashed. Some places had it a little below 10,000. But now it's holding strong on the 11, 12. Right. I just, I don't get it. Um, I, I, but that's why we have my next guest here. He's going to explain all. What is cryptocurrency? Should you own it? How does uh, Bitcoin, as I say, start out in 2010 at less than a dollar and roughly $11,400 today? Uh, in fact, uh, the, it did tumble this week and uh, it emerged that uh, people could be banned from trading the cryptocurrency in various countries around the world. South Korea was among the countries whose government has been signaling that it plans to crack down on cryptocurrency trading. The country's justice minister said the government there had great concerns about digital currency. 
Don't they have bigger things on their plate to worry about right now? Than, I don't know. Anyway, they're saying that they're pre- preparing a bill to ban it, to ban cryptocurrency uh, through exchanges uh, amid fears it could make tax evasion easier. Ah, there's the rub. All right, well, we'll get into that over the next hour. We're going to explore two possible futures for digital currency, one where <clears throat> prosperity explodes and people live free and in control of their lives. That's what this program is all about. Among other, uh, or another future, rather bleak, where blockchain socialists, I love that term, blockchain socialists, track every purchase you make and take your money to give to others. That's socialism, right? All these millennials, according to a Pew Research, who love socialism. 70% in the U.S. want to live in a socialist country. Get on a plane, fly to Venezuela, and have a good long gander. That's socialism. As Margaret Thatcher said, the problem with socialism is eventually you run out of other people's money. But that's another show. Let's get uh, Sean Worthington in here. He's a tenured faculty member in the Computer Science Department of Butte College in Northern California and an expert in computer information systems. He's the author of the book Beyond Bitcoin, The Future of Digital Currencies. And he's the creator of CloudCoin, the world's first cloud-based currency. See, there's another area. I'm not in the cloud, as far as I know. Uh, my feet are firmly planted on the ground. Listeners can uh, visit digitalfrontiernews.com and request a free copy of Sean's book, Beyond Bitcoin, The Future of Digital Currency. And get this, you can get five free cloud coins. Digitalfrontiernews.com. All right, let's get Sean H. Worthington in here. Climb aboard and welcome to The Conspiracy Show, Sean. How are you? Very good. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. All right, so you're speaking to a complete novice, and many of my, well, some of my listeners uh, might be sort of in the same boat. So let's just start off with some definitions. Uh, crypto, Absolutely. Cryptocurrency versus digital currency. Are they the same thing? No, they're really not. I mean, uh, you can say that cryptocurrency is a subset of digital currency. There's been a big problem for many years. It's called the physical integrity problem of digital money. And that is how do you make it so that you've got some money that cannot be counterfeited or it cannot be deleted or it can't be just deleted from some kind of server. And the cryptocurrencies were the first ones to solve this problem. Right, because so much of commerce now is, uh, you know, it's not conducted, obviously, in, in, in paper currency. They're just uh, digit, they're blips on a computer screen flying at the speed of light across the, the pond, uh, and that can be hacked. So cryptocurrency was developed as a result of this hacking, like WannaCry and all of these things? Well, it was developed to be an alternative to the Federal Reserve. Mm-hmm. And, of course, when we're using our debit cards, our credit cards, all of those cards actually reference or are supposed to reference money that is in some vault somewhere. And so the digital monies that we use or are used to are actually just referencing real money, real dollars and cents or uh, euros or what have you. But the cryptocurrency like Bitcoin is the first standalone money that cannot be just destroyed or turned off by a government or by some single entity. Right. It's not a fiat uh, currency, which uh, is basically uh, based on fractional reserve banking, money that's created out of thin air by the, the Federal Reserve, and then it's issued as debt, which we can never sort of get out from under, because um, every time you try to pay off the debt, that money that you're using is 
anyway, but that's that's a long story. We've talked about it endlessly on the program. But okay, so uh, Bitcoin. Now, I've been told that it's it it can be tricky to buy and even trickier to sell. So walk me through mm-hmm. when you buy Bitcoin, do you actually receive physical coinage? What is it that you get? So Bitcoin is a marketing term, and you're not going to receive any physical coinage. What you're actually going to do is you're going to get an account on something called the public ledger. And it's just a number on there. And you're going to get a private key, which allows you to access that money and to uh, transfer it to other accounts. And so you get this private uh, key. It takes about three days or something to enroll on the public ledger. It takes about three days to download the blockchain, which stores all of the different transactions that have ever happened in the past. It's about 150 gigabytes. And once you have those two things, you have what's called a wallet. And then you can uh, find somebody that will sell them, sell Bitcoins to you. This might be difficult. You might have to go to an exchange and sign up for an exchange. That might take a couple of weeks because they'll have to get your driver's license number and all your tax ID and all this other stuff in order for the IRS to be able to track you down and see what you're doing. All right. So uh, let's say, for example, back in 2010, you bought Bitcoin for less than a dollar and you're sitting on, let's say you bought a 100 of them. And today it's worth somewhere north of $11,000. How do you unload it? Well, you have to find a buyer, and that could be, there's different ways to do that. I could look up on basically a local Craigslist, something called local Bitcoins. I might be able to find somebody that wants to buy them with cash. I could meet them at a coffee shop or something and transfer uh, my Bitcoins for their cash. But generally, what we do is we go to an exchange and you sign up for it. And uh, Coinbase is a very famous one. And, of course, that's going to take some time. But at least you will have your Bitcoins in escrow and people will have their dollars in escrow. And you can make really quick trades that way and then uh, hopefully get your dollars. Is cryptocurrency, is it in fact a currency or is it, uh, for example, the United States, I believe, the government considers cryptocurrency to be a commodity? Which is it? And if it's a currency, how do you how do you buy things with it? Well, first we have to define what currency is and what it means. And what a monetary system is is it's an information system. It's a database, and its job is to track who created value for the economy. And by having money, I can go and prove that I did some work to you, and then you're going to trade goods with me because you know that I actually uh, warrant that trade. And the money acts as data. So the coins and the bills, that is actually data. And so anything that applies the rules of databases to money that has integrity can be used as money. All right. So the dollar, money, used to be backed by physical things like gold and silver. And now it's not really backed by anything. What is cryptocurrency backed by? Why, In other words, why does it have value? You don't need to back money by anything. What is important is that money can do its job. And that means that it has to have these properties as data. If it's good data and is good at tracking what everybody's doing, then it's doing its job and it makes good money. One of the things that gives something value is a limited supply. Is, Certainly. One is, of the is, essential is, ingredients of money is that it cannot be counterfeited. Because if you can pull money out of the air, then uh, it's going to 
create an opportunity for somebody basically to hack the, uh, the information system and to take all the value. And, of course, this is what we see with the Federal Reserve Bank, which has an alliance with the United States government. The government grants the Federal Reserve Bank monopolistic powers so that it can borrow money anytime it wants to. And the Federal Reserve can basically now print up money anytime that it wants to make a loan. And the government also gets to borrow any money that they want. And this allows the government and the banking system to both hack the system and counterfeit money, create new money. Bitcoin is, uh, you can also counterfeit money, but in order to counterfeit it, you have to do all this stuff called mining, which is quite difficult and expensive. And so it's much more less, it's much less likely that the Bitcoin will be counterfeited than the U.S. dollar will be. All right, we'll uh, step away for a moment, come back. Sean Worthington, the author of Beyond Bitcoin, The Future of Digital Currencies, and the creator of CloudCoin, the world's first cloud-based currency. And he's giving you an opportunity to own five free cloud coins. We'll tell you about that as well. The Conspiracy Show returns in mere moments. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Sean Worthington is with us. Tenured faculty member in the Computer Science Department of Butte College, Northern California, and the author of Beyond Bitcoin, The Future of Digital Currencies. And again, the website, digitalfrontiernews.com, and you can request a free copy of the book and um, also get five free cloud coins. We're going to ask him about uh, what, what cloud coins are, how they work, and so forth, and how you can get your free cloud coins. However... I want to get back to just sort of understanding some of the basic principles underlying cryptocurrency. First of all, the the creator of, of Bitcoin. Uh, there's this urban legend that he's not even actually a real person. Uh, and and how? I mean, can just one individual, anybody, just start a cryptocurrency? Well, I certainly think it's possible because I did. I uh, you know put together the information, but it really requires a lot of information about economics and about computer science and computer information systems, and in his case, a lot about encryption. So it would be technical, you know, it would be challenging. Does this guy even exist? Do we know for sure, 100%? Well, there is some evidence that there's a guy in Australia that is the one that created the Bitcoin. However, a lot of people think that evidence could have been faked and that it could be something like the CIA or... Uh, the NSA that's tried to create a system in which would track everybody's expenditures because it actually does track everybody's expenditures. And if somebody knows the accounts and can link the account name to the person, it's only pseudo-anonymous, so you can actually track it. everything that somebody buys and you can know how many Bitcoins they have and who they do business with. Well, this is the dystopian uh, future, and there are sort of two. One is that, it, that the cryptocurrency could liberate um, uh, humankind. The other is that it would enslave us, and, and um, I'm not sure if this is your term, blockchain socialists. So That's my term. It's yeah. a great term, blockchain socialists. So let's talk about this dystopian uh, vision, how this digital currency, no no paper currency anymore. We're moving, uh, you know, we've all talked about, you know, the book of Revelation and moving towards a cashless society and mark of the beast and all of that. But if we move into cryptocurrency, that is a danger, right? That the government could uh, essentially control or they could track every every dollar 
uh, every dollar that we spend, every dollar that we earn, if we were trading in cryptocurrency, correct? That's correct. And so we've seen this already happening in Venezuela. Just last month, they were the first country to announce that they were going to have a national cryptocurrency. They were saying that it would be backed by oil, but basically all of the citizens get assigned an account. It's kind of like their social security number, and they get a private key, and then they can go and trade amongst themselves. And this allows them to track everybody, and it certainly can allow them to just uh, tax and reallocate money from one person to another person. So uh, that is a very dangerous thing. India also, it, they're doing this huge, massive, imagine, 1.2 billion people or however many people in India, they're doing this huge recall on currency. Everyone's being ordered to take their paper money into the bank, and of course this is ostensibly to curb counterfeiting. Uh, but but mm-hmm. is this also an example, India trying to move to a cashless society and institute this, this digital currency? Yeah, I think so, because... Uh, in order to really run that blockchain, you've got to have some supercomputers. Bitcoin cannot do it. And there's, I mean, there's huge, wonderful computers to run Bitcoin. They're not scalable. The more people that sign up for it, the slower it gets. And so uh, it seems like there might be something else going on. So then why should we embrace um, cryptocurrency if that is one of the possible futures? Is it because in, in the case of India and Venezuela... The government is trying to control the cryptocurrency rather than individuals? Well, if the uh, blockchain is free from government interference and people can trade with it anonymously or pseudo-anonymously and nobody knows the account numbers, then it does give them a sense of privacy. It allows them to buy and sell things without bank fees, without paying taxes, without having tariffs, without having to worry about international laws. And so it's a good thing if we want to buy like a million dollars worth of oil out of Venezuela, Bitcoin would be a great system to use. It might take four hours to do the transaction and cost $45, but that's well worth it because we can get around the Venezuela's government's uh, restrictions on dollars. And and this this is why, ostensibly, countries like South Korea just announced that they are looking into a bill to ban cryptocurrency because they see this as a method of doing an end round or an end run around their equivalent of the, uh, you know, the, the Canadian Revenue Agency or the IRS. So why, I mean, is that not then a distinct possibility? Is this not sort of one of the reasons that Bitcoin, the, the, the value has tumbled in the last uh, week because countries are now moving to ban it? Unless they can control it, they're going to ban it. Well, the problem is, is they can't really ban it. They can try to ban the exchanges in some regards, but the currency itself is so secure that the government would have a very difficult time getting rid of it. Uh, it's especially true with CloudCoin, which uh, you know I've, I've invented. But um, I don't think that the reason why Bitcoin crashed was because of South Korea. I think that they had a bubble going on and it just popped on its own. And that might have been the, it might have happened at the same time. But uh, I think we just ran out of investors thanks to the Federal Reserve. People were going out and mortgaging their homes. They were borrowing on credit cards, getting money or dollars from the Federal Reserve and putting those into Bitcoin. And that caused us to have a bubble. But it wasn't because of South Korea that that crashed. All right. Now, I, I will, we will get into to, uh, to CloudCoin here in a moment. But I, I, I want to ask you one more question. And that is, do you foresee mm-hmm. a day... Um, 
and I guess this will depend on, you know, if we, if, if, if fiat currency continues to be devalued, you know, in the United States and China are getting into a currency war, China being accused of manipulating their currency. The reason they devalue, obviously, is to make their exports cheaper and make it easier for governments to service their debts. But it's a, you know, the inflation and so forth is a tax on people that, that hold paper money. If that continues to happen, do you foresee a day when cryptocurrency will be the norm in terms of daily transactions? In other words, what, in other words, I could go to the grocery store and buy my, my groceries with cryptocurrency. Absolutely. Because if you want to go down with a sinking ship, you would stay with the fiat money. But if you want to actually get rewarded for the work that you do, then the cryptocurrency, and I shouldn't say crypto, it's the digital currencies, or what's going to make your life much better. To any business that uses digital currencies is going to have a advantage over those that don't. And we all have to economize. We all have to be efficient. And digital currencies allows us to do that. But wouldn't governments be right in their fear that we would then avoid paying taxes? We would evade paying taxes? Absolutely, yes. I mean, uh, people who use Bitcoin tend to not pay taxes. And why would you if there's no way for the government to know that you bought or sold anything or made any money? And mm. so it's going to be a big threat to governments. It's going to cause the governments to try to crack down, as we've seen with South Korea. There's probably going to be a big fight. There's going to be maybe even wars on it. We've got the people that want the taxes against the people that don't want the taxes. But uh, I think in the end, the people that don't want the taxes are going to win because the, uh, you, there's no way to defeat it. They don't have a way to to effectively uh, control it. And that's going to cause the governments to have to cut back their budgets drastically. Well, I, uh, it's not a coincidence. I think that the two presidents that stood up to the Federal Reserve, for example, ended up being shot in the head in public. They're not going to go down without a very big fight. Yes. So they'll start by making jokes and then they... Uh, you know, I guess they ignore it first and then they make jokes and then they get to a fight. So there's going to be a fight and it's going to be ugly. But I think that the digital currencies will win. I think that the people want digital currencies. I mean, if, uh, money is absolutely essential to our civilization and if any country decides they want to get rid of digital money or get rid of this part of it, they're going to be just cutting their own nose off. So I think that uh, the people will demand digital currencies, and it'll end up winning. I'm all for minimal government. I think they should, well, up until tonight, I would have said mint the money, build the bridges, and provide for the common defense. They gave up minting the money, obviously. But, I mean, I do believe there is a role for government, and governments need revenue. You know, we need to build bridges. We need to deliver the mail and so forth. So how would that be affected by cryptocurrency? What is the role of a government and the nation-state in a world where cryptocurrency is the norm? Well, they have to shift their focus on taxing things that are physical that can be seen. So they're going to have to tax property, such as houses and cars and other things that you can actually see sitting in your parking lot. <laughs> okay, because, so a consumption uh, tax. Taxing income could be very difficult. All right, so just a pure consumption tax. Well, um, you know, it, it might be possible, as far as consumption goes, I might be able to buy some gasoline at the gas station without the government even knowing. I mean, it's, it's within the realm of possibility. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. All right, so since Bitcoin arose, there is now just, I don't know, dozens and dozens and dozens, thousands, thousands, thousands Ryan is telling me, of these cryptocurrencies. 
But now you have one called Cloud Coins, and it's being billed as the world's first cloud-based currency. What does that mean, the first uh, cloud-based currency? It means that it gets its physical integrity from the cloud as opposed to from encryption. And so with the blockchain, which is the data structure that makes Bitcoin work, you're able to write transactions to it. You're able to read those transactions, but you can never delete the transactions that have happened, and you can't go back and change or modify the transactions that have happened. So you get this permanent record of what happened, and this allows you to track money from person to person to person to person, this big long chain of spending, and you can stop counterfeiting in that way. It, uh, with CloudCoin, it is a different system. Instead of tracking everybody's expenditures, what we do is we just check to see if the money is authentic or whether it's counterfeit. And we do this by having clouds all over the world that are run by different people, different countries, different hardware, different software, different uh, situations. And uh, I go to give you some money. The money is a JPEG image, and it's got a bunch of passwords basically in it, 25 passwords one for these different clouds all around the world when i know those passwords i'm the owner once i give it to you then you know all the passwords and you can change them all and so it only takes about 90 milliseconds or less than a second to change them all using some software we call pwning software pwn stands for password ownership and basically i don't have to sign up for an account because my money's got its own account it's got its own authentication system going on this allows us to trade between each other over email or skype or any kind of file messaging system without even hitting a blockchain or any kind of simple thing like that and it's uh, much more efficient much it's 100 percent private so it's really revolutionary all right and um you're giving away five free cloud coins why are you giving them away what's the rationale there well, that's what uh, we got a marketing partner, and that's what they decided to do. And so I don't like to give away something because it makes it seem like it's cheap. But they're trying to get people to sign up for their newsletter, and they want to uh, then be able to educate them about cloud coins and other digital currencies. Right. So in other words, you have to raise Absolutely. awareness about that cloud coin exists in order to you know to break through. The noise, because as, as um, Ryan was in my ear telling me, there are thousands of cryptocurrencies out there. So how do you, you know, how do you grab people's attention and how do you, uh, you know, sort of break through? Yeah. And this is the first well, cloud Well, we're working with this uh, organization called risebank.com. They're actually trying to create the first decentralized bank. And they have gone through all of these cryptocurrencies, about 700 of them, not all 1,000 of them, but 700 of them. And what they found is that out of the 700, 694, that's 694, have the same API, which means they're the same currency. It's possible to just take the blockchain, uh, Bitcoin, and copy it and just call it something else and market it as something else and raise money. And that's exactly what they've been doing. So there's only a few unique uh, currencies out there that use anything besides blockchain, and there's actually only three technologies that have ever been created that solve the physical integrity problem. One is the blockchain. Uh, the second is Radar, ours, and there's a new one called the Hashgraph, which uh, does it as well, but I don't think it's got a feature because uh, it's nowhere close to our Radar system. Okay, we're coming up to the break on the, uh, the bottom of the hour here. Um, just very quickly, so uh, how do people get a free copy of your book, Beyond Bitcoin, and then how do they get the five free cloud coins? So they can go to digitalfrontiernews.com and just sign up for the newsletter, 
or they can just Google buy CloudCoin. All right, and then so they can get their free copy of uh, Beyond Bitcoin. Is that a, a, an ebook, or does that come in the mail as a, a paperback? Or? It's an ebook that they'll be able to download immediately. Okay, and then the five free cloud coins. <clears throat> uh, I mean, how does that how does that does that go into your PayPal, or how does that work? So it's very different. You actually will get five JPEG images, and you will take these JPEG images and you'll import them into some software. They'll take all the passwords and change them all. It'll show you how much you have in your folder. And then you own them, and then you can spend them by exporting them from your software and emailing them to people or uh, transferring them in different ways. Okay. Now, I learned a new term tonight from my uh, my good uh, producer here, Ryan, market cap. So are you able – I mean, what is the market cap of CloudCoin? I mean, is it – has it sort of registered yet? I mean, do you have – I mean, how many of them are in circulation, and, and what's the price point on, on a – on a single so the market capitalization of CloudCoin is hard to determine because we don't have a a, a market in which allows all buyers and sellers to come together. We hope to have one in the next few weeks. But uh, in, when I say market, I mean exchange. We do have an exchange in which is pretty rough and tumble where we have to have trusted people be on it. And it shows that our market cap is about $17 million. $17 million. So that's the – and then you arrive at that by the price per – cloud coin multiplied by the the number in circulation, right? That's right. Okay. So we have about 300 million in circulation, and they're worth about six cents each. Wow. 300 million of them are in circulation. And are people, so are they trading them? Are they back and forth? Are they... Are they so just since we have the most private currency, we don't see any transactions going on our blockchain. But we can see that there's transactions, and we can see that they're trading them. They're actually using them to buy and sell. Interesting. All right. Sean Worthington stays with us. Beyond Bitcoin, the future of digital currencies. We'll open up the phone lines, questions and comments. And uh, we'll take this to the top of the hour, second hour, hitting the reset button on your body's cellular biology. The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Stay with us. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Well, this is a real education for yours truly. Always late to the dance, but uh, we are learning about cryptocurrency, and we are doing so with Sean Worthington, who is a um, one of the top experts in cryptocurrency and the author of Beyond Bitcoin. Uh, he's also giving away five free clown coin, uh, cloud coins. Again, if you want to do that, you just go to his uh, website where you can subscribe to a newsletter, and it's digitalfrontiernews.com, digitalfrontiernews.com. Again, Beyond Bitcoin, the future of digital currencies. You're mentioning the uh, the cloud. And you'll have to allay some of my my fears, which are probably based largely on ignorance. But here goes. I remember, you know, reading about Jeff Bezos, the owner of uh, Amazon and, and the Washington Post, and, and and how he had a contract with the CIA to build a cloud for them. Uh, um, and so, I mean, a huge conflict of interest there. Washington Post, you know, how do they report on the CIA and so forth? That's another topic. But uh, do we have a a right to be concerned about who's controlling the cloud if if the currency, the cryptocurrency, is cloud-based? Oh, sure. I mean, we have a different type of a cloud. We have, instead of all of the data being in one place, 
or the data being in one place and then being mirrored or, um, or, or copied to different places, we have the data shredded. And what that means is that a little piece of the data goes to each one of the 25 different clouds. So it's shredded into 25 different pieces. If anybody was a, any cloud owner was to get a hold of that data, well, they could look in their own databases, of course. It wouldn't make any sense to them. They would have to put it together with all of the other data. And so we've gained a fault tolerance by instead of having you know, this data in one place, it's all shredded everywhere. Warren Buffett is not big on uh, Bitcoin or cryptocurrencies. Why do you suppose that is? I mean, he thinks it's a bubble. Is this just a scare tactic? Well, I think that there is some truth to the bubble thing. When Bitcoin started, it certainly was used by people that just wanted to get away from the Federal Reserve and maybe use some money to cross borders and be able to trade privately. Then we started seeing people be able to uh, put their money into Bitcoin. It would go up in value. And so it's just been this crazy thing over the last couple of years, and especially over the past uh, four or five months, in which these investors have come in. These investors are crazy people. They don't really know anything about what's going on. And they have invested in Bitcoin when there's thousands of other currencies that do the exact same thing. So I think it has been a craze. So there is some truth to that. But underlying that, there are some fundamental values that digital currencies give that privacy, the ability to trade all over the world without fees and, and uh, bank, bank transactions. I'm guessing one of the, the obstacles, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm part of that generation that is, you know, we have sort of one foot still in the analog world. You know, I prefer vinyl to CD. We don't even use CDs now. It's just ones and zeros on a computer and so forth. Um, I mean, what is the profile of a, of a cryptocurrency uh, investor, because, for example, the people that listen to this show, you know, the conspiracy show, uh, you know, somewhat mm-hmm. suspicious of government, somewhat suspicious of, uh, you know, I, I do live events occasionally, and, and the people that listen to this type of program, I mean, they don't even like credit cards, you know, guns and butter, I guess, and gold. We love our mm-hmm. we're gold bugs. What's the profile of a cryptocurrency investor? Do they tend to be younger? Yes. I mean, uh, to begin with, when Bitcoin came out, it was pretty much libertarians. And then we started to see these young investors come in, and these young investors are from all over the world. A lot of them have made a million dollars, and they think they're really smart and intelligent because they've made some money. But uh, really, they were just at the right place at the right time, and they're very cocky, and they're really pain in the butt, actually, to deal with. So they're not your, not, not necessarily your freedom-loving people. Millennials, a pain in the butt? <laughs> yeah. I can relate. Uh, but then, I mean, when, when people, if they're doing this as an investment and they decide to cash out, what do they cash into? Back into fiat currency or into another commodity like gold or silver or, or what? A lot of them have been cashing into other digital currencies and just kind of pinging back and forth trying to build up this perceived wealth in terms of dollars. But uh, no, I haven't seen any really good exit plans yet. When you started Cloud Coins, um, you know everything takes money. A startup takes money, and, and often it comes from private capital, private capital markets. Uh, is there such a thing as a crypto private capital market, or did you have to use the good old fashioned paper private capital? No, we created our own money, and so we were self-capitalized probably the first business in history, I don't know. 
And so we just started spending ourselves into existence. We would literally hire system administrators, and we would pay them in CloudCoin, and we would hire programmers and pay them in CloudCoin. And this has caused the value of CloudCoin to go up, which means that now we can buy more things. But everything that we spend is all on CloudCoins. Fascinating. So there's no need to borrow money if you're making real money. That is fascinating. You self, you just created your own money and self-financed. Perhaps the first company ever to do so. Amazing. All right, Sean, stay yeah. with us. We'll let, this was a short segment. We'll take a time out. Come back and uh, take this to the top of the hour. Cryptocurrencies on the Conspiracy Show. Different views make great conversation. This is the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Just a reminder, coming up in the second hour. We'll speak with the CEO of a company that can erase cellular damage, stimulate tissue regeneration, treat a range of diseases, basically. Advances in molecular biology have found the reset button on the human body, not the Russia reset button with uh, Hillary. This is a different kind of reset button. And uh, right now, we are talking cryptocurrency. Uh, with Sean Worthington, tenured faculty member in the Computer Science Department of Butte College and the author of Beyond Bitcoin, the Future of Digital Currencies. He's the creator of CloudCoin, the world's first cloud-based currency. And again, you can go to digitalfrontiernews.com, re request a free copy of the book, Beyond Bitcoin, and uh, you can get yourself five free cloud coins. This is fascinating. You financed your company, the startup, by creating your own currency. And the people that were working on this project, you paid them in cloud coins. And this may be, you're saying this may be the first time in history a company has done this? As far as I know it is, yeah. Fascinating. Now, I know uh, you're very bullish on cloud coin because you're the creator of cloud coin. But for people that are out there uh, investigating cryptocurrencies, what are some of the things that they should uh, look for? You mentioned that there are these sort of these shell um cryptocurrencies that are basically um, um, repeats or, or, or knockoffs of, of others. In other words, after examining some 700 cryptocurrencies, you found that 691 of them were actually duplicates. Um, mm -hmm. So what are some of the other things, some of the do's and don'ts of, 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 of buying cryptocurrency? Well, we have to apply some serious database rules to a monetary system to figure out what is the perfect monetary system. We think that we've created almost the perfect monetary system. We call it the perfect monetary system. It's going to be difficult, we think, to create anything that's better. And of course, the first thing is counterfeits with, uh, with, a, if you, if you can take a digital currency and just create a whole bunch of them, like mining, that's a bummer. With Cloudcoin, we have no mining. We have no counterfeits. And so the, uh, we, we created the currency initially. And then that's all there is. Now, it is possible for us to split the currency if it becomes too valuable. But in that case, everybody's money grows the same percentage. And so there's no weird money that pops up from the government or from the banking system into the monetary system to mess with people's logic. So counterfeiting is the first one. The second one is losing money, believe it or not. Right now, there's about 4 million or more than 4 million Bitcoins that have been lost permanently. And that's out of... 60, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 20 million that have been mined. And so that's already 25% of all Bitcoins have been permanently lost. How does that happen? How do you lose your Bitcoin? Well, people lose their private key. So they're all dependent on their private key in order to get to their Bitcoins. And if they lose that, it's gone. Ah, I didn't know that. All right. 
And so with CloudCoin, there's no permanent loss. With Bitcoin, they have to pay for the servers and the infrastructure. They pay for that by having these miners create new Bitcoins, and then they can use those Bitcoins to pay for their for their setups. But with the CloudCoin, we pay for the setup by having our miners mine for lost coins. And so they can find coins that have not been used for over two years, and they can mine them out and send them to a central place where they can be put together to create new cloud coins that will then pay for the infrastructure. So we don't have any permanent losses. But then there's a whole bunch of other rules, like who owns it, is it the right domain, uh, whether, you know, are we talking about copper and silver and gold, or are we talking about one number? There's, there's all kinds of different rules that would apply. This is another area we need to get into, and that is the mining of Bitcoin. How do you mine cryptocurrency? You know, you don't put on a miner's uh, helmet with a little uh, light in, in the front and take a pickaxe. How, how does that work? So, of course, mining is a euphemism, and really what they're trying to do is counterfeit. And the way that they do it is they just try to guess the number. And so these numbers, the system generates these random numbers, and it looks for the first one to guess it. And every time, every so often, these numbers get bigger and bigger, and so the computers have to spend more time guessing and guessing. So it's really a non-productive activity. It doesn't add any kind of value to society. They're just spending all of their processing power and resources guessing numbers, checking them, guessing numbers, checking them. And the numbers are so big that it takes a long time, a lot of energy for that to happen. But it's really a waste and it's unnecessary. We don't need to have that. So when you say they are counterfeiting, so these numbers that these computers are generating, these are not lost Bitcoin numbers. These are... Bitcoins that are already in existence? So these are brand new Bitcoins that they get to generate. And of course, some people might not consider that counterfeiting, but I would consider it counterfeiting because they're bringing new data into the system that should not really be there. Yeah, I have to, that, that, that's a head scratcher for me. I don't, I don't really understand that. But you're saying with cloud coins, you cannot counterfeit it. Any Bitcoin mining would be, or any any mining of cryptocurrency would simply be to, to recover coins that are lost. Yeah, so with CloudCoin, we have 16.7 million 777,216 notes. And it's a fixed amount, and it never changes unless we decide to split everything, and we, and we have to clone the whole system. So you're saying you're not going to create more CloudCoins? Well, if we do, it will not be me creating some, and then I've got some to spend. It'll be doubling everybody's money. All right. Yeah, this is an area. It's beyond my pay grade, but I'm, I'm for the most part, I think I'm following along, and I hope people uh, are as well. You can at think home. of it as like a stock split. Okay. Sometimes yes. the company will do a stock split, and everybody's stocks will increase. Right. Is it possible that cryptocurrency can continue to exist alongside fiat currencies, or is it going to come to a head at some point? where either cryptocurrency is crushed by, I don't know, the Federal Reserve, the central banks, or somehow, or can they coexist, I guess is the question. Well, I'm sure there'll be some time that they coexist, but I believe that the most efficient is going to win. And I think that something like CloudCoin is going to dominate all other currencies, gold, silver, uh, paper money, uh, PayPal, Bitcoin, whatever you have, because it is the easiest currency to use. And another thing about cloud coins that can actually be stored in our minds and we can transfer it via whisper. So it's absolutely the most private. So I think that the best currency will win. We have to economize as human beings 
and cloud cleaning is just extremely efficient. It stops all counterfeiting. It is a wonderful system. How could cryptocurrency and cloud coins, obviously included in that, how could they, uh, for example, uh, help eradicate uh, poverty in the developing world? Where, you know, there's obviously there's a lack of capital. The resources are there virtually untapped or they're being used by others. How can, how can cryptocurrency help alleviate poverty? Well, a lot of poverty is caused by government and banking systems, believe it or not. And so the governments can come in with these rules that destroy the free market. And the banks can come in with their rules where they're trying to get rich at the expense of everybody else, and they can destroy things. And this is particularly uh, prevalent in uh, places like Africa. And so if you can get around all of that system and go directly from person to person, that is going to absolutely change everything. But you're going to have to make sure that everyone has access to a cloud. Everyone has a computer, right? Yes, everybody. I mean, it's not quite that uh, impossible, but uh, because we can actually print them out on paper. We can print cloud coins on paper just like we print out dollar bills. But at some point, you need to check the money to make sure that it is real, and that does take an Internet connection. But the fact that we've got so many cell phones around the world and each one of these cell phones can handle cloud coins right. shows that it can be done widespread anyways. I mean, talk about disruptive. Uh, this this could change the entire world order, uh, and, and very quickly. How soon do you think this could happen? Well, um, I think it's going to take some time. It's probably going to take 20 years. It's been a long time to, going for people just to recognize that Bitcoin is there. I think only like 0.03% of the population have ever used Bitcoin. Only 7% have even heard of it. And so it's going to take a long time for this technology to get out there. But uh, I think once it's once it's in, it's going to stay. Now, you're talking to someone who's a, you know, a, a big believer in the nation state. I'm not a globalist. I'm mm-hmm. not a one-worlder by any stretch. What is the role of the nation state if cryptocurrency, uh, let's say cloud coin, becomes uh, the global means of transaction? What is there a role for a nation state? Well, you know, before we had uh, uh, the money that we use now, we used to have gold and silver, and gold and silver was pretty much uh, international. So the money, really, uh, having a global monetary system is not the same as having a global government. They're completely separate. And, in fact, it'll strengthen the nation state because we're going to be able to do business with people without having to let them in the country, number one. Number two, we're going to have to keep certain people out because if they come in, they're going to to have access to money that they can use to, uh, to execute terrorist activities. And this is nothing new with CloudCoin. This is with Bitcoin or anything else. They're going to be able to get money quickly into the country. So we're going to have to start ex- uh, excluding people who are at risk. Third, it's going to strengthen our uh, families. It's going to make people more wealthy. And it's going to reduce the strength of the government, which is going to cause everybody that isn't earning their keep, they're going to have to start earning their keep. And they're going to have to be much more concerned about their neighbors and uh, about the nation. You're checking all the boxes, my friend. 
I like what I'm hearing. Again, uh, how do people get uh, a hold of a free e-copy of Beyond Bitcoin, the Future of Digital Currency, and then five free cloud coins? So they can just Google buy cloud coin, or they can go directly to digitalfrontiernews.com and sign up for their newsletter. Sean, this has been fascinating and a real education for me. I'm, I, I know I'm asking a lot of sort of pedestrian questions, but uh, I've learned a lot, and I, I, I think my listeners have too. And what you're doing is absolutely intriguing and revolutionary. And uh, congratulations and thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Sean Worthington. All right, when we come back, resetting your body clock, your biological age, perhaps, resetting your cellular biology, is it possible? Well, coming up, we have a, uh, a CEO of a company that says his company can erase cellular damage, stimulate tissue regeneration, and treat a range of diseases. Again, reset button on the human body when the conspiracy show resumes in mere moments. Thank you.